Many of you might uh, remember I was a, a resident here, so I was, I was the Neef before there was a Neef. Uh, I was the pastoral resident here uh, back in, uh, in 2013 and 14, and, uh, and so my wife Missy and I, when we got here, we had one child, Isaiah. Uh, we now have three children. Uh, you'll see a picture of him in a second. Isaiah is six, Mike is four, Abel's two, and uh, we are actually, we are expecting our fourth uh, child at this point. So if you see Missy later today and you know her and you want to ask the question you should never ask, uh, which is, is there a baby in there? Um, you can ask, because there is, she knows, and she would love to talk to you about that. Um, uh, with that, uh, Proverbs 3 is our, our text for this morning. Uh, so if you would, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. I'll read our scripture, we'll sit down, I'll pray, and then we'll jump in. So Proverbs 3, uh, verses 1 through 8. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways know him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, you may be seated. Well, let me pray and then we'll, we'll jump in to that text. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we, we open your word now. We slow down whatever, whatever thinking and planning we have in our minds. We, we open your word to hear from you. Uh, to enter into the conversation the church has been having uh, since Jesus walked this earth. God, you have spoken and revealed yourself to us. So, so open our ears, open our hearts, open our eyes, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We all have something in life that we never question. And for my two-year-old son, Abel, at this point in his life, the thing that he never questions is that he is a superhero. And so he navigates life with this assumption. And so I've got a picture of my three boys up here. Uh, Abel is, he's shirtless Batman there on the right. Um, this is actually, if you have multiple kids, this is a really good picture that like summarizes parenting. So like child one there, Isaiah, jammies on, properly dressed, like we're, we're doing well. Middle child is like, please look at me. I need attention. Uh, and then child three is like, hey, if you, if you go to bed, you can do whatever you want to do. I don't care anymore. I've given up. Uh, sure, whatever you want to do. So that, that's, those are our three kids. But Abel, he sort of he navigates life like he is, he's a superhero, which means he like, he'll climb things and then he'll jump off whatever he's climbed without any fear of consequence. And so we, uh, the middle school that my, or the preschool that my, my middle son goes to, Micah, there's a rock uh, it, there. And then, of course, I have boys, so that every time we go to there, they want to climb that rock and just conquer the rock. And so they do that. They climb that. And so a couple weeks ago, Abel climbed to the top of the rock. But it's a pretty big rock, and so you need to be careful and cautious and, and keep an eye on things. But um, So he climbs to the top of the rock, and he decides uh, he's just going to jump off the rock. And he jumped off the rock, and then he bounced down uh, the rock, because uh, it was too high, and he fell, and, and, and he's okay, uh, to be clear, but that's, he navigates life as if he's a superhero, and he can jump off of anything that, that he wants, and all of us, we, like, we have 
something that's true about ourselves that we don't question. And so when we make decisions, when we plan, when we navigate life, it's, it's, when we, like, it's, just, it's there. We don't think about it. It's baked into the cake. We don't question it. We climb to the rock and we jump, never realizing that I am, I am not shirtless Batman. I can't make this jump. And this morning, I, just, like, I want you to reflect on what, what is it for you? As you plan, I mean, many of us, right, going into the fall, you make significant decisions about your calendar, about what your life is going to be about, about how you're going to spend your time. As you made those decisions, what, what did you not question? What was baked into the decision? What was the assumption that you had as you planned and as you took, took your steps? Also, part of why we're doing this series, Restart Smart, looking at the Proverbs. Uh, but what, we, what I want to do this morning is, is kind of take a, a Bible passage. It's kind of been a little cliched. Um, it's probably, you've seen it on maybe a coffee mug or like a kind of a cheesy painting at some point. It's Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. I mean, this is, even if you maybe aren't a Christian, you haven't been to church very long, you maybe have heard this, 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 these verses, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways know him, he will make straight your paths. Like a well-known passage. And yet what I want to say is, first, if you're a Christian, uh, like there's some really fresh stuff if we're willing to listen this morning. As you navigate your life, the assumptions you're making, the plans you're making, there's some really important stuff here that I had never really noticed because this is a coffee bug verse for me. That as I dug into this text was really challenging. But also I would say, even if you're like a seeker, not a Christian, I think there's something in here that, that makes us ask questions as we try to navigate our life in a, in a way that will bring uh, flourishing and joy to us. There's some questions here that whether you buy the whole Bible or Christianity or not are worth asking. And so I just want to look at these two, these two pretty well-known verses. And I, we're just going to take them a phrase at a time. Uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, point one. Uh, point uh, two, with, uh, do not lean on your own understanding. Point three, we'll skip a phrase and go to uh, in all your ways, uh, or he will make your, pa- your, your path straight. And then point four, know him. So sorry, when you go to another campus, you go four points, not three points, because uh, you get some extra time, you know? And so, so four points, but we're going to start, trust in the Lord with all of, of your heart. And so to understand what Proverbs 3 means by this, there's two words here that are really important. First, what, like, what's the heart, and what does it mean to trust? Um, so for heart, first, uh, you know, th- throughout history, people have understood the human body very differently, and, and so the Hebrew people had a very particular understanding of the heart, which is a little bit unique from the way we might understand the heart in our own cultural day. And so, so there's a few different ways they understood the heart. The first was that the heart was understood uh, to be the source of your physical life. They may not have understood like veins and arteries and all those sorts of things, but they understood your heart sort of keeps you alive. And so there's a Bible passage in 1 Samuel where it says that this guy named Naval, Naval's heart within him died and his body became like stone. So they understood like the heart physically keeps you alive. That's one, one thing they meant by the heart. It physically sustains you. The second, uh, if you read through the Hebrew Bible, you'll find often the heart is where you think. They didn't really have an understanding of, of our brain or what the brain was or how we reasoned mentally. And so the, they, the heart is where you thought. It's where you reasoned. It's where you debated with yourself. Um, so the heart, it kept you alive physically. It, it was your intellectual center. It's where you thought. And thirdly, and maybe most importantly for Proverbs, the heart is where you, you desired. It's where you wanted something and you longed for it and your, you know, your heart desires. And, and so, so when the Hebrews say, like, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, what they're saying is that when it comes to just the very fact that you're alive, 
When it comes to everything that you think, when it comes from everything like that you want and you desire, like God is in all of that. And he should be first in all of that. He's the reason you're alive. He should be what you think about and he should be what you want. So that's hard first. But what does it mean to trust? And this word trust, there's actually a really good verse that gives us a really powerful imagery of what, when the Hebrews talked about trust, what they meant. And it's actually one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. It's Jeremiah 12, 5. I'm going to read it, uh, read it for us. Here's Jeremiah 12, 5. This is actually the RSV translation that helps us a little bit with some of the words. Um, here's the Jeremiah 12, 5. If you've, if you've raced with men on foot and they've wearied you, how will you compete with horses? And if in a safe land you fall down, it's actually the word for trust there, fall down. And if a safe land you trust, and if a safe land you fall down, how will you do in the jungle of the Jordan? I love this verse because what's happening here is God is, he's gone to Jeremiah who is, he's worn out, he's tired, and he's ready to give up. And so God goes to Jeremiah and says, Jeremiah, if you're ready to give up now, like what are you going to do when life really gets difficult? And so he gives this image, like Jeremiah, if you're worn out now, how are you ever going to run with horses? And if when it's easy, you fell down And that's the word for trust, is falling down. Like the image is Jeremiah's running, he's tired, he's worn out, he's given up, and he falls down. And it's the same word for trust in Proverbs 3, is the word for fall down in Jeremiah 12. And so to trust is to fall down. So what in the world does that mean? Think of it like this. Reed mentioned uh, earlier, uh, he and I have been uh, been training to run a marathon, although I I feel like I need to clarify him. Reed is going to run the marathon, I'm going to travel the marathon it's very different. Uh, Reed, you can see him and be like, that guy looks like an athlete. You know, me, it's like that guy looks like he watches athletes. Um, so we're very different in how we approach things. But, uh, but uh, so a couple weeks ago, I did my long training run. It was 22 miles on a Saturday. And, and I got home and I was just, I was, I had never been that tired in my life. My body hurts. I smelled like something died on me or just that I was dead. Um, and I'm drenched. I go into my house. You know, I scare my children instantly. They're, they're scarred. And I, I, and I just fall down onto my couch. And I don't move for like two hours. Uh, and my wife went and got me Pedialyte. Uh, this is like, this is really great. I know it's for children. But if you're ever thirsty and dehydrated, Pedialyte, man, it's for real. Uh, <clears throat> but she gets me Pedialyte. I'm just laying there. I'm exhausted. I'm worn out. I have nothing left in me. And, and that, is, that is what trust means. The trust means all right, like, I don't have this in me. And so God, like, God, you have to, you have to do it. And so I, I've made it as far as I've made it, and I've, I'm at your feet, and I've fallen down. You take it from here. That's what, that's what trust means. To trust is to fall down. And so to wrap back where we started with, with shirtless Batman, my son Abel, um, the one thing that you should never question is God. The one thing in your life that should be baked into everything you do, all of your plans, all of, you, all of what you think is ahead of you, the one thing that should never be questioned in all of that is, is God. And I realize that there raises some tension, that raises some questions, and that, that'll lead us into point two. So point one, trust in God with everything. 
Everything you think, everything you feel, everything you want, trust in God in everything. That's point one. Point two, then, do not lean on your own understanding. And so I, really quickly, I want to qualify. When I say the one thing in your life you should never question is God, I want to, what I mean by that is not you should never ask questions of God or that there's never uncertainty with what God is doing in your life, that there's never doubts, there's never frustration with God. It's, it's different to ask questions of God than to question God. And I'll, we'll go there later. So just, I just, if you're thinking that right now, just park it. We'll come back. But this idea, do not lean on your own under understanding. This is really important for us to, to get. And, and I was like, this may be special pleading, but I think you and I live in the culture where it is, it is harder than ever for us to not lean on our own understanding. And to illustrate that, we're going to watch a Diet Coke commercial. Um, so take a look. Look, here's the thing about Diet Coke. It's delicious. It makes me feel good. Life is short. If you want to live in a yurt, yurt it up. If you want to run a marathon, I mean, that sounds super hard, but okay. I mean, just do you, whatever that is. And if you're in the mood for a Diet Coke, have a Diet Coke. Diet Coke, because I can. Uh, look, here's the thing about Diet Coke. It's disgusting. And if you like Diet Coke and you're offended by that, I'm actually, I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> and here's the other thing about Diet Coke. It's not just disgusting. Like science has proven, actually, it kills you. Like it is terrible for your body. So Diet Coke, they, listen, they've got a problem on their hands. They have a product that's disgusting that kills you. And they have to decide, how do we get people to drink something that tastes terrible and also kills them? How do we do that? And actually, they're, they're very brilliant. They go right at like what is a core tenet of our culture, which is is because I can. If your heart wants a Diet Coke, just drink a Diet Coke. And listen, to be clear, like Diet Coke's not the problem, right? It's, and if you want a Diet Coke later today, Diet Coke it up. I don't care. But the, the, what they're saying is, if you want something, just get it. Why, like, why question it? Why think about it? If you want to do something, just go in and do it because you, you can. And here's the problem, like the real problem, is you and I can do just about whatever we, we want to do. Our culture has more disposable income than any culture would ever have dreamed possible. So later today, you can eat anywhere you want. You can do anything you want. You can spend your time just about any way you want later today. But secondly, like we have, we can design our children more than any other culture in history. Like what activities do you want to be uh, involved in? What, how, what kind of schooling do you want them to have? Like the options are in, like we can design our own children the way that, 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 we, that we want. Or third, like career vocation-wise, we can choose just about anything we want to do with our, our lives within some limitations, obviously. But, but for the most part, like there's almost unlimited choices before us. And so that it's, it's so easy for us to, to lean on our own understanding because we have the freedom, the money, the time to do it. And so we watch Diet Coke and say, like, yeah, that, because I can. And Proverbs is saying, you can't do that. You cannot navigate this life trusting your own heart. You cannot navigate this life leaning on your own understanding. And I, I want to unpack that in three ways. Um, the first being that the reason you can't trust your heart is, is, is our hearts want the wrong things. 
Right, so Proverbs is all about, uh, we talked about this last week, wisdom is the skillful art of living in God's world. And if wisdom is the skillful art of living in God's world, um, then that, a part of what that means is if we're going to navigate this world with success, Proverbs is saying you can't trust your heart. You can't lean on your own understanding. And one reason is our hearts want the wrong things. And so F- Proverbs 4.23, it might be uh, one of the more uh, well-quoted v- verses in, uh, out of Proverbs, says this about our hearts. It says, keep your heart, or guard your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. And Proverbs 4 is saying, like, your, your heart determines the entire direction of your life, so you have got to keep an eye on where it's taking you, where it's leading you. And listen, our hearts, they want things that, that take us in bad directions. And I know that sounds like something like a pastor would probably say, but it's not just me I mean, this is an idea uh, you can find almost anywhere. And so there, there was a, um, back in the 1980s, there was a Russian film called, uh, called Stalker. It was a dystopian film. It's a sort of think Walking Dead, but no zombies in this case, uh, which probably would have made it better. But it's, it's a dystopian film, and it's, you know, the world's ended, and there's three characters. There's the professor, the writer, and Stalker. And they're, they're walking through this dystopian world. And the entire, uh, their entire movie, they're moving towards what's called The Room, and that's where the movie's going to end, is at the room. And at the room, Stalker tells Professor and Writer, when you step into the room, you get whatever your heart wants. And so when they get to the room, they are not sure they want to get, go in. Like, do I really want to step into a room and the whole world will be whatever my heart longs for it to be? And the movie becomes about this question. Do you really want what your heart wants? Are you really willing to bet your eternity on what your heart, what your heart wants? And if, if Russian dystopian non-Christians get it, like we in this room, like we should get that. Like our hearts want things that do not necessarily lead to our flourishing. And we need to guard and protect where our hearts are carrying us. So that's one reason why, listen, you cannot lean on your own understanding. Your heart may take you in a direction that is not a direction of joy or flourishing. That's one reason. But the second reason is that our hearts, ultimately, we don't, they don't know what they want. And so think of it like this. I'm sure many of us probably have like really big decisions in front of us. I know I have. There are a number of decisions in front of me that are really significant decisions. And just think this out. Whatever like thing, you know, decision that's in front of you that you're wrestling through, you're thinking about. It could be like caring for aging parents. It could be like, do I take this new job or not? Or how do I approach my my uh, my family, what activities are my kids are involved? Like we all have big decisions in front of us. And I was just like, would you want the, and I'm, if you're 13, don't take offense at this. Um, but if, would you want the 13 year old version of yourself to make that decision for you? Or the 15 year old? Uh, or the 20 year old? Or I'm 35. I don't think I'd want the 30 year old version of myself making the decision. And the reason is not because like you're really dumb at 30, I'll, you know, maybe, uh, <clears throat> but the reason is like I, I want such different things depending on how well, how good of a breakfast I had, frankly. Like I, depending on where I'm at in life, what's happening to me, my heart doesn't even know what it wants and it changes so fast. And so to, to build your life on what your heart wants, you're just going to be, you're going to be navigating all over, you're going to be in, pulled in so many different different directions, which is why Proverbs says, don't, don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't, don't let your heart navigate through your life. So don't lean on your understanding because your heart, it wants the wrong things. It, is, it doesn't even know what it wants. But thirdly, and this is, this is going to be such an important thing. This is actually going to be point three of the sermon. Um, thirdly, your, 
your heart cannot make your path straight. That in Proverbs uh, 3, 6, the, the line, uh, you know, in all your ways know the Lord, he will make your, your path straight. That's probably a metaphor that doesn't really connect with us very deeply because we have straight paths all around us, right? We have sidewalks and we have interstates and we have roads that go as straight as they can, um, for the most part. But in that day, when you had roads, they were not straight at all because they didn't have the engineering or the tools that we have today, which means if they were to build a road, they had to go with the terrain and it was windy and it was annoying. And it wasn't very smooth. It wasn't very straight. And so this metaphor comes up all over the time, all over the place in the Bible of if, if you're with God, he makes your way straight. He gives you a straight path, a straight um, road. And so that's what they're, they're saying here. It's if you trust God, the, what's in front of you, the life that's ahead of you will be made will be made straight. And yet, as going dipping back into where we were for point two, um, many of us come into this room convinced we can make our own path straight. We have the money to do it. We have the control to do it. We have the freedom to do it. And so we come in and what we never question is not necessarily God. It's what we think our life should be. It's what we think should be ahead of us. And, and so we come into this room with enormous confidence in ourselves to make our path straight, to design our own lives what we think they should be, to design our children what they think they should be, to design our career the way we think that it should, should be. And, and Proverbs just, it's, there's just a warning here saying you can't do that. And you should not have enormous confidence in yourself. And what either is going to happen is at some point you're going to have a path in front of you that you can't navigate and you actually don't have the resources or the control to get through it or you're never going to, you're never going to know and you're going to keep pushing through paths that aren't, that aren't leading to flourishing, that aren't leading to joy and you're going to have confidence in yourself that you should never have. To illustrate this, um, you know, I don't know how many of us in the room could, could date the, just the absolute worst day of your life. I can. It was, it was March 20th, 2017. I was, I was at Planet Fitness, which is probably the, that makes sense, like for it to have a really bad moment to have it at Planet Fitness. I don't know if you've been there. Um, it's a gym, so you're supposed to work out there, but they actually, they serve pizza there once a month. So like, even if you overcome all of the enormous mental and physical hurdles just to get to the gym, it's like, oh, there's pizza there. Yeah, I'll just do that instead. Like that's Planet Fitness and their tagline is no judgment. So it's, like, it's the sort of place you should just expect your life to fall apart. Um, that's what happened to me. Um, so I was there and, and I got a phone call and the phone call was from, um, from Children's Mercy Hospital and it was, uh, it was our son's neurologist and... Um, and we had had our son, Isaiah, who's six. Uh, we had taken him through a number of tests. He was developing a little bit slower than kids his age typically. And so we wanted to know why, like what's happening. And so the neurologist, he, he calls me, leaves a voicemail, um, and, and just says, Tim, this is, this is Isaiah's neurologist. Um, I, need you, I need you to call me immediately. Um, this isn't an emergency, but I need you to call me immediately. And so I listened to that on the treadmill. And, and so I stepped off, I go, I make the call, and... And he gives me very specific instructions. Tim, uh, we need to take your son. Uh, blood work um, has to be done today. And you need to take him here and do this. And do you understand what I'm, what I'm telling you to do? 
I'm like, yeah, I understand, I understand. And he, said, he goes through the whole thing again. I can tell he's nervous. He's, he's explaining to him, over-explaining himself to me. And I'm, I'm just left asking, like, do I ask him the question? Like, why? Like, why, uh, why, do, why do we need to go have my son do blood work today? And so I asked him, why? And he said, we, uh, we think your son has muscular dystrophy. And we need to confirm that through a blood test. And... Um, and that's why we need you to do it today. It's very serious, um, but it's not an emergency. So I get off the phone. My first question is, do I know what muscular dystrophy is? <laughs> because I'm actually not sure that I do. Um, the voice of the doctor makes it sound really terrible. Um, and it is. It is really terrible. And I now know it's, uh, it's the most common fatal disease that a child is diagnosed with. Um, it means my son uh, does, not, uh, he does not produce the, the protein dystrophin, which is, is what repairs your muscles. So when you go out on a run or lift weights, um, you break your muscles down and dystrophin enters in to, to heal them, make you stronger. And so that means my son, uh, who's six, he doesn't get stronger. He only gets weaker, um, which means over time he'll, he'll lose the ability to walk and, and um, it's fatal. And so for the, the first time in my life, there at Planet Fitness of all places, um, I'm looking at the paths in front of me and I can't make them straight. I'm lost. Like, I have no ability to navigate um, what is ahead of me in any way, shape, or form. And some of you all, you've been there, right? You've had, maybe some of you in this room, you've, you've, you've dealt with a fatal diagnosis with a child, and you've walked that road, and you know what it's like. Um, some of you haven't, maybe you, you, don't, um, you don't know what that's like, and you're, you're empathizing right now. And, and here, the reason I tell that story, one, is because many of you know my family really well, I want to share that with you, but two... Even those of you who don't, you need to understand, you are as helpless before your life as I am. And as much as you think that you can navigate the road ahead of you, even if your kids have perfect health and they're brilliant and they're going to go do whatever you want them to do the rest of your life, you are as helpless with the rest of your life looming in front of you as I am. And the sooner you realize it, the sooner it frees you up to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So how do you do that, right? <laughs> how do you, whether you have hard decisions in front of you or not, um, how do you navigate a life like that? And this is, I, I never saw this in Proverbs before. And you might have noticed I changed a word when I read the translation from the ESV. And that is verse 6, uh, starts with saying, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And that's an okay translation, but acknowledge, it makes it feel very impersonal, like, you know, when, hey, when you have a decision, you better pray, or when you have a decision, like, maybe open the Bible. Um, but, but acknowledge is very impersonal. The word in Hebrew there is actually deeply personal. Uh, to be maybe very direct for a moment, it's, uh, it's often used of, of intimacy that's between a man and, and his wife. It's, it's a knowing that's deeply personal. So in other words, in all your ways, in all of your life, know God. Know him. That's point four. God wants to know you. And we're all, okay, so how? How do we know God in light of Proverbs 3? And I think, you know, we probably, well, that's why you got to pray and you got to read your Bible. But actually, Proverbs 3 is a very different answer to how you know God. And it's there in the language throughout, the, um, throughout verses 1 through 8. Do not forget my teaching. Keep my commandments. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. If you, want, if you want to know God, obey him. 
Obedience is all over this, this passage. No, make, the, make the entire aim of your life to obey him. That make God the one thing in your life as you plan, as you move into your future, make him the one thing you do not question. So let's get real. Let's get specific. God, I mean, the Bible is very clear that, that Christians, people who believe in him, should give at least 10% of their income away. I would argue, based on the text, because of the, the amount of disposable income you and I have, our number should probably be a lot higher than 10%. And so, like, will you obey him or not? Like, it's really that simple. Do you want to know him in your wealth and in your finances, or do you not? Do you want to trust your heart, or do you want to trust him? Just obey him. If you want to know him, you have to obey. Obey him. Or, uh, for those of us with parents, children, the most important command given through the, the scriptures about what you're to do with your kids is to teach them about God, is to give them the faith. Does your calendar reflect that? Does the way you speak to your kids, does what you prioritize, does it reflect that? What, what is most important to you? What's the foundational assumption about your children? That they must know the Lord or that they must get into the right school? If you want to know him, you have to obey him. And thirdly, like, when you think about career um, and, and, and your vocation, like we all, we all want to have success, we want to, we want to advance, we want to do good things, but, but God said the most important thing to him is that we love him and we love our neighbor as ourselves. And so do you, in your work, do you love God and do you love your neighbor as yourself? Whatever that looks like in your vocation, do you do that? Or do, is, it a, is, it about, is it about just success on earthly terms or is it about just an advancement? Listen, those, those aren't bad, none of this is bad stuff. I'm asking not, not like, should you care about your kid's call? Of course you should. But when I'm asking, what's the one thing you never question? It's baked into the kid. The one thing that will not be moved is that I'm going to teach my, my kids who Jesus is. I'm going to treat my wealth as a steward, which God has given to me, which is not mine. And thirdly, when it comes to my career, I just want to love God and love my neighbor as myself and whatever that looks like. What is the thing you never question? You climb the rock and you jump off. It's, the, it's baked into all your plans, all your decisions, what, the way you think about your life. What is the thing you never question? And I hope it's God. Because Proverbs presents this really, this really beautiful conclusion in verse 8, where it says, if you do, like, if you do all this, if you trust God, if you lean on, not on your own understanding, if you don't trust your own heart and you, you trust God instead, then it will, be, it will be healing, it will be healing to your flesh, and it will be refreshment to your bones. It will be like medicine. It will be like drinking from a well. Obey God, and it leads to joy. It leads to flourishing. It leads to a rich life. And so then the question becomes, okay, how? Especially uh, with, and my story has introduced this, and I'm convinced of this, if you, if you trust God with all your heart and you lean not on your understanding, your life will get harder. I know like lots of Christians like to say the opposite. No, follow Jesus, it all comes together. It doesn't. It all gets harder. It all gets more complicated. And so why, like why, why, why give up my heart? Why fall down before God in complete trust of him? Like, why do that? After we got uh, Isaiah's diagnosis, we, we took the week off. Um, my, my family and I, my wife, just kind of stunned. And, you know, we took Sunday off from church. And, and so we thought, like, where are we going to worship this Sunday? Um, and we landed on a Presbyterian church. For some reason, like, Presby I feel like I could be sad with Presbyterians. Um, <laughs> I wasn't sure if a Presbyterian joke would land, um, but thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, 
And it was true. I was, I was sad with the Presbyterians. Um, and, and I love Presbyterians, to be, uh, to be honest. But, um, but as we went through the service, there, there was a new song. I'd never heard it. Um, and normally new songs, I don't really, I kind of don't like, pay much attention to. But for whatever reason, this one, like, it was like God said, listen. <laughs> um, and I did. And it's, it's a song called, uh, I think you guys do it here, Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. And these lines, they just, they just grab me. Um, in our longing and in our darkness, now the light of life has come. Look to Christ who condescended, took on flesh to ransom us. And it was that word condescended that, that, that grabbed me. Because um, there I was, very much spiritually how I was physically after running 22 miles. Right? I just, I, I stunk. <laughs> I had no strength in my bones. I had no, no capacity like to, to even think. And just felt like so help, just helpless, you know. And, and this thought that Jesus, like the center of our faith as Christians, is that Jesus like took off his crown, um, his robe. He left like heaven itself to come to us, like to, to meet us where we are. He condescended to us. Which means, like, as you, as you navigate the paths of life, if there is, if there is stuff that just wrecks you and, and leaves you feeling at the end of, 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 of all you have, you have, you have a Savior who, who met you in that place, who condescended to you. And so when I read Proverbs 3 and I hear, Tim, you better obey God. You better trust God with all your heart. And if you trust God with all your heart, there will be healing. There will be refreshment. There will be medicine for you. I think, oh, great, but I already... I, already disobeyed, right? This already doesn't work for me. I've already failed. Um, and yet, when you think of Proverbs 3 in light of Jesus, in light of the gospel, um, I didn't obey. I didn't trust. So I don't deserve the healing. Jesus did obey. He did trust. He deserved the healing. He deserved the refreshment. He deserved the drink from the well. And instead, he, he, got, he got mocked. He got, he got crucified. He cried out on the cross, I thirst. Right? He takes my punishment so that I can have his healing. And when you, when you think about that, like, isn't it, how foolish is it for you and I to try and do this life out of our own wisdom, out of our own capacities, out of our own power? Like, how dumb is that? How, to, like, think I can be in control of my future, to think that, well, whatever I want to do, that's what I should do. When here is the God of the universe condescending to us, taking our punishment on himself and offering us the drink <laughs> that he was denied. That we all have one thing in life we never question. An authority that we just, we give great faith to. We climb the rock, we jump off, right? We make plans, we make decisions, we take steps. We all have something in life that we never question. So what will it be for you? Let's pray. Father, we, we come to you as people who lean on our own understanding, who have tried and tried to make our paths straight. And Lord, I, like, every day I, I feel my heart drifting back there. And so, Lord, as we move into a time of, of singing, we just, we want to know you. We want to know you in the power of your grace. We want to know you in the gospel. We want to know you as one who will make our paths straight. And so for those of us who come in overconfident, we got it together. Things are going the way we want them to. God, help us repent of that. 
and to come before you helpless. And for those of us who are coming in helpless, um, God, show us the Christ who, who meets us right in that place and knows us right in that place. God, meet us here, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Tim, thank you, brother, for that. I'm reminded of the words that um, of a, the pastor once said, that it's, it's a thousand sorrows that prepares a man to preach. Uh, and that is a, is a good reminder for us to know that, that followers of Jesus, yes, we are simultaneously the most joyous and the most grievous people of all uh, because we know the depth of brokenness, but we also know profoundly the hope that Christ brings us. That death does not have the final word, that sin does not have the final word, that sorrow does not have the final word. And so I hope that has been an encouragement to you. I hope that you have realized, as I have, that we don't have this, that we cannot navigate the path of life. We cannot make our paths straight, but thanks be to God that one has through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so if you have questions, if you would like to explore or learn more about what it means to follow this one who makes our path straight, I would love to chat with you. I know Tim would love to chat with you. I know many people would love to chat with you about that. So we'd love to find a space to, to converse together. So, but as we go, as we prepare uh, to leave this place to be God's people, uh, as the people gathered to being the people scattered in all the places God has called us, Hear these words from the Apostle Paul as our good word for the road. So brothers and sisters, hear this as our benediction. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid for from him and through him and to him? are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Go in peace. Have a great week.